Welcome to a special edition of the Darden Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. So uh, this episode is something a little bit different uh, for us here on the Darden Admissions Podcast. This episode is all about the MSBA. That's right, the MS in Business Analytics. It's a specialized master's program here offered at the Darden School of Business. It's as noted in the conversation, it's a joint program between the Darden School of Business and the McIntyre School of Commerce here at the University of Virginia. Invited some of our admissions colleagues from McIntyre, Lizzie Batman and Mary Wells uh, to join myself and Catherine offered to talk all about the MSBA. If you're curious about this program, you're interested in learning more, you're thinking about applying to the MSBA, well, this episode is essential listening. So without further ado, here's our conversation all about the MSBA. Lizzie, Mary, Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Excited to be here. Well, Catherine, our longtime listeners, they recognize your voice, but they don't know these other two folks. And so let's give everybody a chance to introduce themselves. So Lizzie, can I come to you first? Um, tell us a little bit more about who you are, your background, and gosh, well, why are you on this podcast? Awesome. Uh, my name is Lizzie Batman. Yes, like the superhero. Um, uh, and I'm Associate Director for Graduate Recruiting and Admissions um, at McIntyre School of Commerce with UVA. I um, came here from uh, Willow Tree, which is a local tech firm in Charlottesville, where I was a technical recruiter slash campus recruiter and um, moved over to the university side so that I could really help um, drive uh, people into the right program, specialized masters for their careers so that they could become great managers. They could look at data and have it tell a story versus just being like, here's the data, good luck. So um, I've been here for over four years and it's been excellent. Well, exciting time to have that Batman connection. I just watched the NBA All-Star game last night and my gosh, they want you to know there's a new Batman movie coming out. Uh, And it's Robert Pattinson in it, which I mean, I'm very skeptical, but excited about. (laughs) It looks very dark. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) For, for the Dark Knight and also no Michael Caine. Uh, there's yeah, some news. What? Yeah, I know. All right, we'll, look, we'll, we'll continue this conversation on our movie-related podcast uh, after, after this. Um, Mary Wells is also here. Mary, tell us a little bit more about your story. Sure, I'm a, a new assistant director in the admissions office focusing on the MSBA. Uh, I've worked in higher education for the past 15 years and I'm currently based in the Washington DC area where I've lived for the past uh, 10 years, but I'm originally from upstate New York. So really happy to be working with the team and really excited about the MSBA program. Thank you for being here, Mary and Catherine. You're a longtime friend of the podcast. You've been on here. I actually think this may officially tip you over the top to to be the number one guest all time. You and Whitney Kessner have been competing. I think this does it. Um, Welcome back to the podcast. Well, I knew when I woke up this morning that there was something special in the atmosphere. So excited to be the number one recurring guest on the podcast. What an honor and a privilege. Um, I'm Catherine. I work in admissions at Darden. This is my 13th year working for Darden Admissions, but I've been at UVA even longer. More recently, I moved to the Washington, D.C. area, and I'm based in Arlington, Virginia, where the MSBA program takes place for the most part. 
All right, Catherine. Well, thank you for coming back on the show. Our longtime listeners keeping score at home, they can fact check me on whether or not you are in fact the number one guest all time, but at least as far as I'm concerned, you are. So thank you for coming back on the show. We normally talk about uh, the MBA, uh, whether full-time MBA, executive MBA, part-time MBA here on the podcast, but this is a special episode. As uh, you may have picked up from some of the comments from Lizzie and and Mary, as well as Catherine, uh, we're going to talk about a specialized master's uh, today, the MSBA, the MS in Business Analytics. This is a unique program here at the Darden School of Business in that it's a a joint program between the Darden School of Business, the Graduate School of Business at the University of Virginia, and the McIntyre School of Commerce, the undergraduate program. Uh, So let's get into it a little bit more. Lizzie, can I come to you first? I know there's a lot of information on the website, and I'm sure I really recommend that to folks for more detailed information about the MSBA, but at a high level, what is the Specialized Masters all about? Yeah, so um, MSBA is a one-year program that is designed for working professionals to complete while they're working that year. Um, And the great thing about this program is it focuses on the intersection between data science and general business. So we're really creating data translators, people who can come in, help set that strategy, but also make sure that the data is being used and not just sitting there where people can kind of manipulate it to do what they want with it, but really getting the real story from the data. And, um, and I think it's really excellent because we've seen a lot of people move forward in their careers, but also kind of have that light bulb go off in their head where they're like, I can really make an impact um, at my organization. Well, thank you for getting us started, Lizzie. Mary, I want to come to you next. And I know you are relatively new to your role, but you started engaging a lot with the prospective students and having conversations uh, with folks around the program. Uh, When you think about the MSBA, what jumps out to you um, as maybe the unique nature of the program or something that that really defines the MSBA? Yeah, the program with its uh, executive format and modular curriculum really help blend uh, that the analytics and business and leadership skills at every step. So from design thinking to executive communication, consulting skills, uh, students are engaged in these uh, team projects in each module and uh, the residencies that we have really maximize opportunities for students to network with each other and network with the faculty during their program year. They're only in the program for one year, so we really need to maximize the opportunities they have to, uh, to work with each other, to get to know our faculty, and uh, really prepare themselves for the next step in their career. Well, I'm so glad you brought up that team nature of the program. It's, it feels like that sense of community, the interaction that the students have is one of the really defining features. As the students progress through the modules of the program, they're doing you know, these projects, they're team-based, they're collaborating, they're working together. Catherine, is that is that what you think of when you think of the MSBA, or is there something else that you think is unique or differentiating about this program? What I'm hearing from the students who are interested in this program is how they are drawn toward the team aspect of the program. There is a lot of collaboration, both in person and virtually. And so you will leave with a very close network of others who have similar interests. I think another differentiator is our teaching faculty. Uh, They are some of the best, if not the best teaching faculty in the world, and they have incredibly strong relationships with each of their students. So I would say that definitely the differentiators are going to be a lot of the Uh, human element of the program, 
Um, but then also how Lizzie touched on earlier, really that emphasis on creating data translators is also a particular niche of ours. Well, that aligns very well with a lot of the conversations we have here on the podcast. When we talk about Darden's MBA programs, we talk a lot about community and the relationships that students form, the collaborative nature of the learning experience, and also that the root of this learning experience at Darden is really around communication, the ability to explain your ideas, not just this is what I think, but why you think the way that you think to a room full of people who do not necessarily share your, your backgrounds. Um, Lizzie, which brings me to my next question. I, I know we probably have some listeners now intrigued by this program, um, curious about who might be in the classroom and maybe looking at that name of MS and business analytics and wondering, do I have the right background for this? So what do you, you must get this question all the time from prospective students. What do you tell uh, those students? Um, well, I get, this is the number one question I get uh, for sure. And, and typically I say there's no one background that fits our students because we have people who are transitioning into a career in business analytics. We have people who have been in the field, but need to kind of retool or up their, their level of tools so that they can really create change where they are. And um, we have people who are still undecided and, and want this tangible skill that you get from um, MS and business analytics so that they can um, move forward and really create something new within an organization, but also have the opportunity to make a name for themselves. Data is not going away. Data is actually going to become more and more important for us. So these people come to us knowing that and knowing that they can kind of take their career and in a way they want to go and, and using the network that they get within the program to learn more and and figure out their path if they don't know what that is yet. But some people already have that prescriptive path. Sorry, I feel like I kind of meander when I say this, but we have such a diverse class that it's hard to have just one track they're on. And it's awesome to see these people blossom and grow. And some people who are like, I'm going into this role, sometimes change completely. Or some people who are in the same industry are like, maybe it's time for me to go to the government or vice versa. So um this is a program for anyone with that quantitative interest. Anyone who has has some background, you can't come in and not have any quantitative background, but come in, have that interest and, and blossom and grow. Well, I love what you said around exploration and self-discovery that feels very real to the learning processes we talk so much about on, on these podcasts. Um, Mary, one of the things that you mentioned before that I want to come back to is the sort of executive nature of the program. The students are, are working while pursuing uh, this specialized master's. Um, there are these kind of week, there are these weekends where students get to get together and learn also a hybrid component. So there's an online element to it. But as I've learned more about the program, I'm still relatively new to this myself. Um, I've been struck by the fact that there are students coming from not just the D.C. area to do this program, that people are, are located further afield. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about where, where folks are coming from to participate in the MSBA program? We have a lot of students who come to us from the Washington, D.C. area, of course, but also uh, from the East Coast generally. And uh, in each cohort, we always have students from the Midwest, the West Coast. Uh, so it's really um, a diverse uh, geographical cohort. And, um, and what makes that possible is that the 
residencies are accessible. So even for students who are traveling from the Midwest or from the West Coast, uh, eight of our 10 in-person residencies are held in Washington, D.C., uh, the Washington, D.C. metro area. Gardens Building is centrally located right across the river from D.C. It's about four miles from both the U.S. Capitol Building and the Washington Reagan Airport. So it's easy to fly in, take a train, drive. Uh, and the same is true for the two residencies that are in Charlottesville. Um, Charlottesville Airport has daily direct flights from New York, Chicago, Atlanta, uh, in addition to daily train service from Washington, D.C. and other points of Virginia. So uh, it really can be a convenient program for anyone, regardless of where they're located in the U.S. As we like to say uh, on this podcast, uh, when people come to our space, which is in Roslyn, for those of you who are familiar with, with the D.C. area, we're on the top two floors of an office tower there at 1100 Wilson Boulevard, and we can actually see DCA, Reagan National, uh, from our space. Uh, so that's how close we are to the, to the airport. Um, Catherine, know that you also have many of these students with many of these conversations with prospective students and you know, people wondering, you know, do I have uh, the right background? Do I have the right professional academic background? What do you, how do you encourage people to kind of investigate this, to sort of think about these questions about program fit as they, as they contemplate uh, this as a next step? So we do have students who are looking to this program to help them elevate on their current career path. And we also have students who are looking at this program to help them pivot into a new career path. And so we are seeing a difference in background and professional background and academic background. The most important thing is that you have an interest in the material, a need for the material, and a quantitative aptitude, which can be displayed through your academics or your career or through standardized testing. Well, let's talk about career goals because I feel like you, you set this up a little bit with what you were saying, Catherine. Um, and Lizzie, I want to come back to a point you made earlier about exploration and this kind of self-discovery that happens. And it feels like a lot of that relates to uh, people's career goals, where they might want to go next. Can you tell us a little bit more about you know, what you see from MSBA students and also what kind of resources uh, they have access to? Yeah, so um, we see a lot of students, um, I think it was 76% of students moved up within their organization or onto a new organization for the class of 2020, I believe. Um, I might have that wrong, um, 2019 or 2020. So it's a very effective program. And these people are moving into all types of jobs, um, whether they're moving over to Capital One um, or another one of our, our capstone partners, or they're moving into a business analyst role, um, a consultant that specializes in data or something along those lines. But we have resources for them that help them get where they need to be. So the beauty of this program is you have access to two different career centers, career services areas within the university um, that are typically separate and that typically students don't have access to both of them. So we have Darden's um, career coaches, and then we also have uh, McIntyre's career coaches and they have schedules and everything that work for those working professionals. So it's not going to be like, well, you can talk to me between nine to five. Otherwise we'll figure something out. We want to make sure that these people are there to help the students. They have connections with the industry. And then we also have employers who reach out looking for those people with more experience. So it's not like you're only going to see entry-level jobs that 
may cut your salary in half. That's not something that happens. And once people graduate, they also have access to the university's alumni career services and Darden's alumni career services as well. So there is support during and after your time as an MSBA student. And also just to touch on the network, the people in the class, the people who've graduated from the class, they're looking for people who've been through this program that they know and they know what type of student they are so that they can get them onto their teams uh, and go from there. I think it's pretty remarkable. And I mean, 76% is insane and also very exciting for us and for those students. Well, Mary, I want to I'm going to come to you kind of building on what Lizzie just shared. Um, obviously, one of the things that we also ask about in the application process is how a student you know, hopes to leverage the MSBA to kind of get where they want to go and also recognize that some of this may may continue uh, to uh, evolve. How do you encourage people to kind of think about this as they approach the application process or evaluate? Is this program the, the right program for for me? Um, any any particular tips you share with prospective students? I think it's great when students have a clear vision of how they think they can incorporate business analytics into their the next chapter of their career, but also come with an open mind that there are a lot of possibilities out there. And like Lizzie said, we see that a lot. You know, students might come in thinking, oh, I want to become a business analyst or, oh, I want to do this. And then they meet a classmate who has been in a certain role or in a certain sector and they're like, wow that would be a great fit for me. That gets me really excited about the ways that I can use this in my career. Um, and so we're looking for both, right? We have uh, applicants who have 20 plus years of experience who are really just looking to retool and you know stay kind of in their same position, which is great. Uh, and we also have students who are really open to every possibility. So um, we, we don't uh, favor one over the other. We're looking for that real diversity of uh, career goals, experience. And uh, so we welcome everyone into the program, uh, regardless of their kind of how they want to use business analytics, as long as they have a clear motivation to use business analytics and how they want to move forward. Well, thank you, Mary. And, and so much of what you just shared resonates with what we talk about so often here on, on the podcast, the idea of holding your career goal, maybe loosely, right? Um, recognizing that there is so much self-discovery and exploration that happens, these moments of serendipity, whether you're talking about a specialized master's or you're talking about an MBA program where you have a conversation with a classmate, take a class, whatever the case may be, and just something, something sparks for you. Um, Catherine, this next question, I feel like this is very much in, in your wheelhouse because um, you have been at Darden for over 10 years now? Am I counting right? Something like that? 13, yeah. Wow. Okay. Definitely over 10. Um, and you've recruited for full-time MBA, part-time MBA, executive MBA, and you also help out with MSBA. So I feel like you're the person to start with for this next question. How do you encourage candidates to think about, say, a specialized master's versus an MBA? Uh, how, do, how do you encourage people to sort of weigh this out? Sure. So they are two different degrees, but they are not entirely unrelated. There are definitely going to be some, there, there will be overlap between the two different degree programs. But generally speaking, the MBA is a more general degree. It can be used to pivot between different industries and different functions throughout your career. Its primary focus, in my opinion, is to teach skills in leadership and management. 
uh, to understand organizations holistically, to understand how decisions in one area of an organization impact the bottom line in another part of the organization. And there's a strong emphasis on the soft skills. So understanding who you are as a leader and learning tools about on how to motivate diverse people and diverse teams toward a common goal. The MSBA degree is a bit narrower in focus. It's really preparing its holders to sit confidently in the space between data and strategy and to grow in the ability to think about how to use data to make informed strategic decisions for an organization. So that's the primary focus. Now you'll get a little bit of the leadership, you'll get a little bit of the overview of, of business, but the primary focus is to really think about the data piece of decision-making in an organization. Lizzie, Mary, I wanna make sure you have a chance to chime in here. Um, anything else that you would add, particularly for folks who are thinking about that, that specialized masters as they maybe consider their options, any, any other pieces uh, that you would highlight? I mean, I would just say it really depends on your career goals. Uh, and I feel like that's something that you can repeat over and over because you have to know that this is a space you want to be in. Um, a general MBA is a great tool for a lot of people, but sometimes people are like, I don't need to know tax accounting because I'm never going to use that as a business analyst or someone who is a um, data consultant or something along those lines. So looking at this, that's kind of tailored to your career goals, I think is really important and also a great way to, to look at the two programs separately. And I would also add that we have, um, I think in this last cohort, it was 18% of our students have prior MBA degrees. So it's not, uh, those groups are not mutually exclusive. We're, uh, you know, not necessarily making a decision between the MBA and the MSBA, but just understanding that the MSBA can help enhance a career, regardless if you already have an MBA or other advanced degree. Um, so so yeah, I think they can be, both can be valuable uh, depending on where you are in your career. I appreciate you're making that, that last point. And I see Catherine has something she would like to add. I will, I will come to her short, shortly, but this feels very real for us here at DART because we have definitely had people go in particular from the executive MBA program to the MSBA. I can think of a few recent students, including maybe a, a student or two currently enrolled in the program. Catherine, I uh, wanna give you a chance to get in here. Yes, so we were talking about the difference between the MSBA and the MBA. I also think it's important to note the difference between the MSBA and a master's in data science. So with this program, we are going to expose our students to a lot of different tools and we'll give them resources to learn a lot of different tools in depth should they wish to learn a little bit more about these different tools. But this is a one-year program that really focuses on the in-between between the data science and the strategic decision-making. And so this is more for the student who's more interested in learning about that translating as opposed to just getting the tools that you would need to be a data scientist. Yeah, Lizzie. And to expand on that, just being able to talk about those tools, not necessarily being the person who's in the nitty gritty. You are not going to come out of this program, uh, a programmer, a coder, someone who makes, uh, you know, any type of data modeling, but you are going to know what those mean and be able to say, hey, 
this person saying this, this person saying this, you're saying the same thing, just in different words. And let's go from there. And that's really that translation piece. All right. Well, we've set the stage, I think. Uh, we talked about what the MSBA is, how someone might think about the MSBA, both in relation to other other graduate degrees, but also potentially in combination, something like an MBA. Um, and we talked about who's in the room, where these people are coming from, their academic and professional backgrounds. Uh, we're recording this uh, conversation in, in late February. Uh, this feels like a time we've got a number of upcoming MSBA deadlines. Good time for applicants to get organized. Mary, can I come to you first with this question? Um, as you talk with prospective students, um, is there an app tip or two uh, that you like to share with them as, as they orient towards the M MSBA application process? Sure. I always say uh, start early. You uh, want to make sure that you're giving yourself plenty of time to write your essays, talk to your uh, the writer for your letter of recommendation, make sure they have ample time to draft and submit their letter for you. Uh, there's, uh, you know, it's not a uh, a multi-month uh, process, but you definitely need to give yourself enough time to uh, create a quality application and make sure that you are putting your best face forward uh, for our admissions committee. And, uh, you know, so we do recommend that students start early and we have a couple of upcoming deadlines uh, with a final deadline on May 1st. So uh, not too much time to waste. Uh, and I do recommend that they uh, start as early as they can. Thank you, Mary. And, and Lizzie, I want to come to you next. I mean, there are essentially monthly deadlines kind of leading up to that, that May deadline uh, that, that Mary mentioned. Um, things move pretty quickly in, in, yes. the, in the process, right? You want to tell us a little bit more about how the process generally works? Um, great question. Uh, once people have submitted their application, we have a group, uh, we have a team uh, that will read those applications and choose to move people forward to an interview. Um, if you are selected for an interview, you get an email saying, congratulations, you've been selected here. Click this link. We'll give you some times and you get to interview with most, well, uh, Mary, Brett, Catherine, me, or Whitney Kessner. And um, I like to think of it less as a barrier to entry and as a chance to share your story because we only know what you're going to tell us. Um, so this is a chance for you to really resolve any gaps in your resume if you have those or academics, but also talk about what you hope to do with this program. Even if it's broad strokes, uh, a chance for us to see that you've got that quantitative background and you know that that's the direction you want to go in for your career. Then after that, you find out within, uh, hopefully within a month of your application. And then folks have um, about a month to finalize their decision. Is that, is that the general timing? That is the general timing. And we do, um, if people need a little extra time, um, the key here is communication with, with the recruiters you're working with, um, with the admissions group, to make sure that you, if you need an extra week, maybe you're getting funding from your employer and you need to nail that down and you want to make sure you have all the information at hand before you accept um, or something along those lines. We can give extensions, but you definitely need to work at, work that out with us and, and chat. Um, the key is communication. Well, thank you, Lizzie, and I appreciate your highlighting the general timing of things. So you press submit on the application there is a potential interview invitation. You interview and receive a decision um, within about a month, and then you have about a month or so to, to finalize your decision. Catherine, I, I wanna to come to you. Uh, you shared many application tips 
on our various admissions podcasts. Is there one that you would encourage MSBA applicants uh, to think about here? I think an important part of the application process is the motivation for doing the program. You don't have to know exactly what's going to happen to you during the program, where you might end up in your career after the program, but being able to speak to what experiences in your past have given you an indication that this is a good fit for you, um, what you'll be able to bring to the community, the culture, the program, and then provide a couple of examples of how you could possibly see your career playing out. Yeah, I feel like passion is an important thing here, right? We want to see some enthusiasm, some energy, your excitement uh, for taking this next step in your education and in your career. Mary, is that something that, that you, you look for when you engage with prospective students with applicants? Absolutely. Um, you know, like was said, you know, this is not an MS in data science, but it does require uh, a passion of some kind for data. So uh, we are looking for uh, applicants who are ready for that challenge. They're ready for that in their career, and that's what they're interested in doing. Um, so while we do work at the intersection of business and data, that data piece is definitely there. So uh, it is an essential part of the program. And Catherine, I think it's always nice when applicants have spent some time learning about the program. There's some exciting ways to engage with the program in the in the coming months. Obviously, we do a number of events. Um, any potential like next steps you would highlight for someone? And, and Mary, please feel free to chime in here too as you think about ways to research, to learn more, uh, to kind of uh, I guess figure out what the MSBA is all about. And um, is it is it for you, or or perhaps or perhaps not? Of course, I, this is a big decision in terms of an investment in both time and resources. And so you want to make sure that this is something that you're excited about and that you're committed to. And I always think the best way to help yourself make that decision is to talk to students or alumni of the program. I think every conversation that you have with someone who's been through the program will either help you get more excited about it um, or maybe you don't see yourself. Um, in that sort of a program. So have conversations. Uh, people understand your desire to learn more about the program and your fit for it. And we'll be open to having conversations with you about um, the MSBA at UVA. And we have a great opportunity coming up in the middle of March uh, for those who are also listening at the end of February. <laughs> so uh, we'll have a panel of current students who uh, will answer questions uh, for any prospective applicants who are interested. And uh, we also have information sessions about the program and students are also welcome to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with myself uh, about the program, about their application and their decision of whether this is the right program for them. You know, I think it's a little surprising to prospective students uh, to realize that just by having conversations, current students, alumni, even admissions officers, things start to clarify in your mind. You not only learn a ton about the program and start to get a feel for people's motivations, you also start to understand more about your own motivations, hearing your thoughts, your, your goals, um, whatever, you know, however you want to think about this in the conversations that are coming back to you as you evaluate uh, this potential next step. Mary, does that does that resonate with you? I know you've had a number of uh, prospective student conversations here. Yeah, I think sometimes students have 
an idea about what the program is and they just need a confirmation of that, uh, or they just need to hear that there have been there has been someone like them who has gone through the program. And uh, you know, like has been said earlier, we have such a diversity of different backgrounds, sectors. Uh, it's almost a guarantee that we've had someone in the program uh, with a similar background to each prospective applicant. So. Um, so yeah, so that's why we love having those one-on-one -on -one conversations, make sure that people are feeling like it's a good fit for their career, that they're a good fit for the program, uh, so that they can move forward with their application. All right, before we sign off, I do want to talk about some of this process uh, enhancements, changes that we've made over, over the past, uh, I guess, few months in the, in the admission cycle for our applicant listeners, people who are now listening and tuning in saying, I'd like to apply. One of the things that people may have picked up on if they've been following, for the, pro following the program for a while is the fact that a standardized test score is no longer required as part of the application materials. And Lizzie, um, how do you talk with prospective students as they kind of weigh, um, you know, to provide say an executive assessment score or GMAT or GRE score or um, to apply without one? Um, what are some things that, that people should think about as they approach this decision? First, this is a very individualized conversation. Um, this is where if you have a question about whether or not you want to do this, I, I recommend that you have an advising call or come to one of our events. Um, I really look to those uh, standardized tests uh, for people who maybe can't show the quantitative ability they have. They're like, I have it, but I haven't done it in my career. I haven't done it here. I haven't done it there. It's a chance for us to kind of have that finite detail or that information to say, hey, okay, they've got it. They're going to be fine. Um, in other ways that I present it is sometimes people uh, may have not had the best undergraduate GPA. Um, and this is a great way for us to see that you have that capability. Um, so using both of those tests, uh, I, either of those tests works. It depends on who you are and how much studying you want to do. But um, really the conversation um, is individualized. And if you feel like you've got a hole in your application, this is a great place to showcase that and maybe close that hole to make sure that you are getting the right information in front of our admissions committee. Because like I said, we don't know anything you haven't told us. Well, a quick plug for the executive assessment. For those of you who have not heard of this test, and it's oftentimes the case that this test uh, amongst the sort of graduate admissions test is less familiar to many prospective students. It is a test uh, that was originally designed in consultation with executive MBA programs, but has since been expanded and is now accepted for specialized master's programs, full-time MBA programs, uh, as well as uh, naturally executive MBA and part-time MBA programs. And it, it's test is 40 questions, 90 minutes in duration. You can take it online, you can take it uh, in person. Um, in addition, uh, typically requires for most test takers somewhere between 20 to 30 hours of preparation. I think that's probably the principal appeal uh, for many folks beyond just the testing experience, which is, which is shorter, fewer questions than the GMAT. It's the preparation time. If you look for US-based test takers taking the GMAT or even GRE, uh, many of them are spending 60, 65 plus hours. If you look globally in terms of prep time for those tests, oftentimes you'll see people taking over 100 hours to prepare for the test, the executive assessment designed much more around readiness uh, for a student to kind of gauge their readiness for this next step in their career. And so um, it, you know, it's structured as such. 
Um, Mary, um, I imagine on your perspective calls, uh, you have a lot of folks that, that ask you this particular question about demonstrating uh, their, their quantitative ability. Um, any, any particular insights that you share with prospective students who, who ask this question? I always uh, advise them not to leave anything off of their resume, especially if they have done more informal learning on the job or through, uh, you know, kind of smaller training programs or Coursera courses, things that you might not necessarily include on your resume when you're applying for a job or something more formal. But for the MSBA, we really would love a whole picture of the skills that you've developed in your, in your, um, in your work and uh, in addition to obviously looking over your transcript of what you might have done in your undergraduate, right? Um, and especially for students who uh, were not in a, you know, math or science or, you know, engineering oriented uh, program during undergraduate, some kind of um, information about how they have used quantitative skills since college would be especially helpful. Um, and so for students who don't have that, right? Um, finding opportunities, whether it's through the GMAT or the GRE or through some other kind of uh, course that they can take beforehand to demonstrate those capabilities. Well, that feels uh, very, very much aligned to what Lizzie shared. Uh, we don't know what you don't tell us. So making sure that you're, you're being, uh, you're forthcoming about all these experiences that you've had. And it is a bit different than, than applying for, for a job. I think that's an important thing for people to keep in mind when you apply to a graduate program. Catherine, the other thing that I think is also good for people to keep in mind is maybe put yourself in the position of the admissions committee reading the application. I feel like this is something that we talk a lot about uh, on our workshops and uh, different kind of app tips, uh, podcast webinars uh, that we host. Yes, it can be really helpful for you to take a step back and think of yourself as a third party looking at the materials that you've gathered and are submitting and think through what message you're communicating through the data points and materials that you're able to provide. All right, the other process uh, change that was made for this year is around recommendations. Um, only one recommendation is required. Um, Lizzie, any, any particular uh, advice for folks as they think about uh, recommenders or who that one recommender should be, or how do you know how do people think through maybe providing more than one recommendation? Um, great question because this is one that we get often as well. How do I know who to choose to have as my recommender? Uh, we like to look at some direct supervisors typically. Um, you know, a lot of people that that person knows who you work, how you work, what you're doing. They could probably speak to some of the quantitative aspects of your role as well. Um, but we also understand that sometimes people are trying to leapfrog that supervisor and maybe having them write your recommendation for a program that would put you ahead of them is not the best option. So working with someone who is a professional uh, reference, uh, no personal references, people that you've worked with who can really talk to who you are and, and follow the prompts that we have in there. As for a second recommendation, if you feel like one recommendation isn't going to tell the full story, maybe you've got, you're kind of a tale of two careers. You started in one career, moved to another one, and need to see that, uh, that's a great way to do it. And then an alumni of the program, I think, is also an excellent way to use that second recommendation. There's someone who knows what's going on in the program and how you could succeed because they know you and they know the program as well. 
All right, everybody. Well, we've made it to the end of the episode. Um, Want to see if you have a final piece of advice, a word of encouragement, something for our listeners who are now really intrigued about the MSBA to go forth uh, with. Mary, can I come to you first? Sure. Uh, you know, I invite everyone to start on our website. We have a lot of great information on there, including the calendar for the upcoming year, all of the uh, information on the application materials that you'll need to submit. Um, and of course, that I am here available to speak with students about their applications if they have specific questions about uh, the application materials or how their background might fit into this program. Um, I'm always happy to speak with students or they can send an email to msba at virginia.edu uh, if they have just quick specific questions that they need answers to. Reach out, uh, communicate, uh, stay, stay in touch. Uh, Lizzie, any, any final words of advice uh, for our listeners? The interview is not that scary. Um, the way I talk right now is kind of exactly what it is, but I also make a lot of jokes during it. All bad, don't worry. Um, but, you know, once you get to that point, it's easy to get really nervous and scared. But just remember, you're talking about you. You're telling your story. So make sure you continue to tell that story. Make sure you stay true to who you are um, and, and breathe. <laughs> It feels important to also practice and uh, prepare for the interview. I think most people do. Oh, of course. But, yeah, of but course. you know, telling your story with a with a time time limit, it, it takes a, it's a little bit of an art. Uh, and, and practicing yeah. with a friend and doing these interviews via Zoom, I, you know, I think we've all spent a lot more time on Zoom, but uh, over the past couple of years. But ultimately, um, getting comfortable with kind of generating a little bit more of your own energy, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that's what Zoom requires. Um, if you can find a friend, a colleague who's willing to put in a little bit of time with you and kind of think about how you're telling that story and bringing us into exactly who you are and, and why you're passionate about the MSBA and where you'd like to go afterwards. Um, it's always, always worthwhile. All right, Catherine, you get the last word here, um, such is the nature of being our number one all-time guest. Wow, the pressure's on. I would just say kind of what Tamiri said that no, no questions too small, do not hesitate to reach out to us. Remember that we get got into these jobs and careers because we just get a lot of energy around uh, playing a role and helping others fulfill their professional goals and reaching the next place in their career. So see us as your allies who are along the, we are on the ride with you and we are trying to find people to admit to the program rather than trying to find people to, to deny. So we're going to try to help you as much as we can. So um, don't be strangers. Let us know what we can do to support you as you try to reach the next place in your career. Well, Lizzie, Mary, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your stories and helping our listeners learn a bit more about the MSBA program. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us, Brett. And that was my conversation with Lizzie Batman, Mary Wells, and Catherine Alford, all about the MS in business analytics here at the Darden School of Business. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening. <laughs>